Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. If we think back on this law stuff that we've been reading in the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, when it comes to adultery, the law required that both parties be stoned, right? Leviticus 20.10, Deuteronomy 22.22, right? It wasn't just the woman. And it was also required by Jewish law that the accusers cast the first stones, Deuteronomy 17.7. Now, my friends, the law we know from Romans 3.20 was given to reveal sin. And we must be condemned by the law before we are cleansed by God's grace, which makes it useful to remember today. Forgiveness is free, but it's not cheap. And I hope that sets up today's little slice of our journey through the Bible in a year time together. Reading through every word of God's revelation of himself and considering our own life and work stories in light of that. My friends, you might even remember from another context in the Old Testament. Uh, Boaz and Ruth, right? And the context of Boaz and what he demonstrates by his actions is that righteous persons don't need to wait for laws to dictate conduct, right? With hearts filled with gratitude for God's grace and committed to the well-being of others, which is, in a sense, the definition of agape love, They instinctively act in God's and others' interest. Now, notice the order here. Our instinct for giving grace and being loving is preceded by our own gratitude for the grace uh, which we have received. Now, we pick up today in John chapter 7 at the very end, verse 53. Uh, On another day, we can talk about why 7.53 through 8.11 doesn't appear in the earliest manuscripts, but but many, if not most, scholars believe that it's actually inspired word of God. It just doesn't appear in the earliest manuscripts. We can talk about that another time. Here we go. Then each one went to his house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he went to the temple again, And all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. And when they heard this, they left one by one starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center, and when Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She answered, No one, Lord. 
Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on do not sin anymore. And Jesus spoke to them again. I, so you can see how there's, it, it, it fits, but it doesn't fit, right? That's the end of that little section that probably was inserted. And you will actually hear at the end of our reading today, here in just a few verses, where this is happening, uh, which is in the courtyard near the treasury, which is the court of women, interestingly. All right, continuing. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but the Father, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. And he spoke these words by the treasury while he was teaching in the temple. But no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. All right, my friends. That's a little shorter reading for you today, but I want to share an interesting factoid with you, which I actually already mentioned because I jumped ahead because, you know, we're not totally scripted around here. The text just said he spoke these words by the treasury, which scholars believe is in the court of women, right? In other words, Jesus was not in the inner area of the temple where only the privileged could go, right? There's a, a concentric circle, right? Remember the innermost part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, is where the, only the high priest can go and then only once a year, right? And then there are these kind of concentric circles, which included, at that time, uh, a place where men could go, but the, but the ladies couldn't, right? So he's in the outer court. And it's useful, I think, for us to think about Jesus coming to the people who were not the privileged ones, right? He comes after us first. Forgiveness is free, but, but it's not cheap. And Jesus himself is paying a price for what he's doing and where he's doing it, even at this point in the story. All right, turning to our Old Testament segment. Uh, I want to zoom out for a second. Deuteronomy chapters 12 through 26 is part of Moses' second speech, uh, highlighting or proclaiming the dimensions of covenant relationship. And with his opening statement in chapter 12, verse 1, Moses invites his hearers to expect a detailed review of all of these decrees and ordinances that are essential to God's covenant with Israel. So in a way... Uh, that highlights both law and relationship. 
I think there is a context here in which we begin to see that we need forgiveness. We, there's no way we can live up. So we begin our Old Testament reading today at the very end of this section, Deuteronomy 26, which kind of now closes up the legal stipulations of the covenant that concludes with a couple worshipful liturgies and a declaration of the ratification of the covenant. And then stick around when we have an interesting little interlude in chapter 27. Deuteronomy 26. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you take possession of it and live in it, take some of the first of all the land's produce that you harvest from the land the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket. Then go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to have his name dwell. And when you come before the priest who is serving at that time, say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have entered the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And then the priest will take the basket from you and place it before the altar of the Lord your God, and you are to respond by saying, In the presence of the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean. He went down to Egypt with a few people and resided there as an alien. There he became a great, powerful, and populous nation. But the Egyptians mistreated and oppressed us and forced us to do hard labor. So we called out to the Lord, the Lord of our, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our cry and saw our misery, hardship, and oppression. Then the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, with terrifying power and with signs and wonders. He led us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, I have now brought the first of the land's produce to you that you, Lord, have given me. You will then, that's the end of the what the person is supposed to recite. Uh, oh, so much we could say there. That's good, good stuff, not the least of which is that last line. I've brought this to you, Lord, because this is what you gave me, right? <laughs> Where does, what precedes what? <laughs> the giving of the goodness from God precedes our response. Okay, continuing. You will then place the container before the Lord your God and bow down to him. You, the Levites, and the resident aliens among you will rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given you and your household. Next section. When you have finished paying all the tenth of your produce in the third year, the year of the tenth You are to give it to the Levites, resident aliens, fatherless children, and widows, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then you will say in the presence of the Lord your God, pause, before I read this next thing the person is supposed to say, notice the context in which one's tithe, the tenth, in which the tithe is to be used or allocated, right? Part of what you do in terms of giving back to the Lord what he gave you is then used by the church to support the church, to pay the pastor, to then support the resident aliens, fatherless children, and widows in the context of Deuteronomy. Are you with me? Right? So there is a domain in which the church is supposed to operate. And, uh, well, it needs funding. And this is how God has funded God has funded, God provides in and through you 
how the church then adjudicates. You with me? All right, this is what <laughs> this is what you will say in the presence of the Lord your God. I have taken the consecrated portion out of my house. I have also given it to the Levites, resident aliens, fatherless children, and widows, according to all the commands you gave me. I have not violated or forgotten your commands. I have not eaten any of it while in mourning or removed any of it while unclean or offered any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done all you commanded me. Look down from your holy dwelling from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land you have given us as you swore to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord your God is commanding you this day to follow these statutes and ordinances. Follow them carefully with all your heart and all your soul. Today you have affirmed that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways, keep his statutes, commands, and ordinances, and obey him. And today the Lord has affirmed that you are his own possession, as he promised you, and that you are to keep all his commands, that he will elevate you to praise fame and glory above all the nations he has made and that you will be a holy people to the Lord your God as he promised. All right, my friends, that is chapter 26. I'll just say this before we move on. Normally covenants spoke, right? Remember, this is a, a form of legal agreement. Covenants normally spoke of blessings and cursings, right? The consequences of whether or not you keep the contract. And of course, God is perfectly faithful when we are not. <laughs> so chapter 27, if you were taking that big picture view, is a little bit weird in that it looks ahead to the future. And in a way, the way it functions in this kind of broader legal way of thinking about Deuteronomy, it functions as a document clause incorporating within the covenant itself provision for its preservation and renewal. Listen to how chapter 27 unfolds. Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, keep every command I am giving you today. And when you cross the Jordan into the land, the Lord your God is giving you, set up large stones and cover them with plaster. Write all the words of this law on the stones after you cross to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. And when you have crossed the Jordan, you are to set up these stones on Mount Ebal, as I am commanding you today, and you are to cover them with plaster. Build an altar of stones there to the Lord your God. Don't use any iron tool on them. Use uncut stones to build the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings to the Lord your God on it. And there you are to sacrifice fellowship offerings, eat and rejoice in the presence of the Lord your God. Write clearly all the words of this law on the plastered stones. Moses and the Levitical priests spoke to all Israel. Be silent, Israel, and listen. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Obey the Lord your God and follow his commands and statutes I am giving you today. On that day Moses commanded the people, saying, When you have crossed the Jordan, these tribes will stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, and these tribes will stand on Mount Ebal 
to deliver a curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. Pause. You can imagine, just vision envision, there's two hills with a valley in between, right? And clearly close enough so that everybody can hear each other. So imagine this kind of antiphonal um, thing going on. Okay. The Levites will proclaim in a loud voice to every Israelite, the person who makes a carved idol or cast image which is detestable to the lord the work of a craftsman and sets up sets it up in secret is cursed and all the people will reply amen the one who dishonors his father or mother is cursed and all the people will say amen the one who moves his neighbor's boundary marker is cursed and all the people will say amen the one who leads a blind person astray on the road is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who denies justice to a resident alien, a fatherless child, or a widow is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who sleeps with his father's wife is cursed, for he has violated his father's marriage bed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who has sexual intercourse with any animal is cursed. And all the people say, Amen. The one who sleeps with his sister, whether his father's daughter or his mother's daughter, is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who sleeps with his mother-in-law is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. And the one who secretly kills his neighbor is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. The one who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. Anyone who does not put the words of this law into practice is cursed. And all the people will say, Amen. And that gets us up through chapter 27. And I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job today of illustrating what, uh, what I was hoping we might see, which is the nature of relationship there. Relationship with God, by definition, includes relationship with others. And, of course, why I believe that uh, forgiveness is free, but it's not cheap. Ultimately, since we can't keep all those commands, the one and only place that we can have perfect justice, uh, the only way the law can be fully kept is that someone has to pay the price for its breaking, right? It's free, but it's not cheap, <laughs> and Jesus paid that high price. For our wisdom segment today... We pick up in Proverbs, and we are now at the beginning of chapter 21. And uh, we're going to be picking up the pace in Proverbs a little bit um, here because um, we don't have that far to go before we wrap up the, all the writings of John and therefore this trip through the New Testament. And if you're newer around here, one of the things that we do is we read Proverbs uh, 10 through 31 along with our New Testament readings and Proverbs 1 through 9, which is a little more narrative-like, we plug those into the Old Testament readings in the kind of the time frame that they fit in. That said, Proverbs chapter 21. A king's heart is like channeled water in the Lord's hand. He directs it wherever he chooses. All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs hearts. Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. 
the lamp that guides the wicked, haughty eyes and an arrogant heart, is sin. The plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but anyone who is reckless certainly becomes poor. Making a fortune through a lying tongue is a vanishing mist, a pursuit of death. The violence of the wicked sweeps them away because they refuse to act justly. A guilty one's conduct is crooked, but the behavior of the innocent is upright. And my friends, I think we will wrap it right there. That gets us up through 21.8. Let me just pray over us here as we're getting ready to head into a new year. Lord God, we recognize that Forgiveness is free to us. There's nothing we did to deserve your utter and complete grace on on a divine scale, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would just clearly search our hearts and recognize that our problem isn't so big when we compare ourselves to others, but when we when we compare our holiness to your holiness, Lord, we we figure out quickly we need you. We need your divine grace. Lord, thank you for your provision that that all good things from us or for us come from you, Lord, before anything that we have done. And Lord, I just pray that we would then make our lives how we connect and communicate with others. Lord, that 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 would itself be an act of gratitude back to you because we recognize it doesn't come from us. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.